0: You're listening to Extratextual. On this episode, we bring you our series of conversations with filmmakers that we're excited about and that inspire us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us out there on this episode. Uh, This is Eli Steenlage. Today I'm excited uh, for this episode because Zach Wechter is joining us. Um, He's a director of the films Straight Down Low and Election Day, Um, and besides other projects like some music videos, I believe. So uh, how are you doing, Zach?
1: Hey, Eli. Doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. And where are you joining us from?
1: Uh, I'm joining you from my bedroom in Highland Park in Los Angeles, California. Uh, best acoustics in the house over here
0: nice nice very good so yeah i was excited to talk to you because uh i had seen your film straight down low um online and was really big fan i'm also a fan of film noir and that kind of style and thought it did well uh before we dig into that film a little bit more can you tell me a little bit about some of your background and um what drew you to filmmaking things like that yeah
1: yeah absolutely um well, I grew up here in the greater Los Angeles area. I grew up in the Valley. Yeah. And um, apart from just being a normal kid uh, in, in, in just about every way, I grew up loving TV and movies, um, just being very glued to my TV set and addicted to the stuff. <laughs> um, so so it's really – it's always been a part of how I relate to myself and experiences and the world at large. Yeah. And, um, I my dad is a filmmaker and he works now in reality TV, but made cool. a couple features back in the day. Nice. So yeah, so watching his movies and shows really inspired my early interest in filmmaking and, and still does, for that matter. Hmm. Um, but uh, I started making my own movies as a kid, um, and I took a video class in high school with a great teacher that really solidified my interest, uh, and then went to film school at Chapman University. Okay.
0: Cool. Did you, um, spend any time like, uh, on set or anything with your dad growing up or like, were you just around that environment a
1: lot? When I was a little kid, I got to visit set a couple times, which was always a dream come true. He did one, he, he worked for America's funniest people and okay. did this sketch called the jackalope with this little stuffed animal that was just the coolest. I think I remember that, that actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, yes. when, you, when you're, when you're four, it's a pretty big deal. Right. right. Um, and uh, so I visited Seth a few times, and then when I was a teenager, I um, started to PA on his shoots, oh, cool. uh, which was a really formative experience. I worked on some weird reality TV shows, <laughs> um, got to see the world, and really just got to see kind of production from the ground up, which which was neat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the best way to learn that stuff is just hands-on and and being on a on a set and production environment like that, uh, yeah,
1: I think that there's a lot that you can learn studying text, Tons to be learned watching movies, but if you want to make movies, you got to see how they're made. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you uh, originally said your collaborator Jack Seidman was supposed to join us, but um, how did you guys get connected? Since you've wr- written most of your projects together, is that right? Or he's written that's them, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's worth, Jack Seidman is how you pronounce Seidman. His name. Okay, thanks. Um, I met my Dear friend and collaborator, my writing partner Jack Seedman, when we were six years old, uh, Jack and I actually went to the same elementary school and middle school and high school together. Okay. Kind of grew up alongside each other, not as super close friends, but knew each other. We were both kind of a uh, couple of the film film kids in our in our school. Yeah, and we both got into the same college. And Jack asked me uh, if I wanted to be his roommate freshman year, which I really honestly didn't. Now I can look back and say, I'm very glad I did. (laughs) He's become a very, very dear friend, uh, my closest collaborator, and uh, we've been writing alongside each other for about six or seven years now, um, which feels more like 50 years of being married to one another uh, at this point.
0: Cool, cool. So kind of digging into some of your films, uh, I want to talk about so, you kind of seem to take genre conventions and kind of place them in unconventional settings, so like with election day, you have kind of serious political drama, an election scandal happening in a high school, and then also straight low down, you kind of have this um noir uh kind of classic noir set in high school, and things happening between these kind of inner city gangs. Where does your interest in genre kind of come from, and is that something? You want to explore more, or is it just kind of something that came up with these two films?
1: Yeah, I uh, well, I, I grew up watching mostly classic, older movies. Okay. Um, and I think a lot of my interest in genre comes from that being my experience of of mm-hmm. getting to know the craft and getting getting to getting to watch movies that I learned to love. Um, I love suspense thrillers. I've always loved film noir, action mm-hmm. movies, sci-fi, for that matter. Um, and I in film school felt really out of place with my interests in a lot of ways. I think there were <laughs> a lot of guys and girls that appreciated these older movies. That a lot, but a lot of people that were into indie movies and kind of the scene at Chapman. People that were into blockbusters and stuff too. Yeah. Um, I then I saw a movie called Brick directed by nice. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, and that opened my eyes to the idea of combining and refreshing genre. Okay, um, so. It's kind of it. it it's become uh, where my interest lies in a lot of ways. It's, it's absolutely something I'll continue to explore, um, and I'm act- I'm actually working on my first feature now. That's a survival movie, uh, hmm. with a very unique setting. Okay. Um, those of you who don't know, Brick is a detective movie set in a high school. It's uh, in a lot of ways. It's it's got a very different tone than Straight Down Low, but it was definitely <clears throat> you can see some influence there if you watch the two side by side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love Brick. I'm a big fan. Um. That's like one of those kind of ideas that you're like, man, why didn't I think of that first? You know, that's <laughs> so good. Yeah, just the way they talk in that film, and and uh, Ryan Johnson's style just is
1: great. Yeah. Why didn't we think of that first? I that, know that, that, that would have been all right by me. I know. And
0: now Ryan Johnson's making some small space movie. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no interest in that one.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> So. uh, So that's cool. Um, The the next film you're talking about, are you able to reveal what kind of setting that film is in, or are you still kind of keeping that quiet? Uh,
1: I can tell you just a little bit. We're keeping it under uh, wraps to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. Uh, but a lot of the work that we've been doing recently has been combining traditional genre uh, and and, and movie classicism with modern settings like social media and Mm -hmm. iPhone technology. interesting. So. We've started watching um, stuff like there's a short film, Noah, and a movie, Unfriended, that it has a lot to do with mm-hmm. screen storytelling. Okay. So that's that's been a, where a lot of our focus has been, bringing these classic um, movie tropes to, to that digital space. It's just okay. kind of as more uh, – screens become more ubiquitous in everyday life. I think yeah. they become a bigger part of movie language. So to, to me, it's been very exciting realizing that, you know, holy crap, we can – retail all sorts of classic movies but on iPhones Yeah, and I think that uh, it's not going to take over the industry per se but right. I think that we, people are going to be interested in watching this stuff yeah. or I hope at least
0: yeah as we ta- as we talk over Skype right with each <laughs> exactly
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah this is an episode of, of our new show
0: right exactly so what what would you say your kind of pre-production process is like can you give us some uh, details on how your films are kind of conceived and written you give us a little bit of bra- background Um, I'm just, you know, interested whenever I hear interviews with filmmakers, I kind of like the nitty gritty stuff, like, um, how you kind of come to those ideas, how long it takes you to, to write a script and, and get it into production and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, well in the past, um, I think my development process was a real exercise in thinking Mm -hmm. about new ways I could update traditional movie tropes. Okay. And that notion is very much still present as I'm searching for new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've kind of matured and, and, and grown to know the world a little better, I spent a lot of time reading the news, trying to stay open to what's going on in the world and thinking about ways to address contemporary issues, but still using classic film techniques. So I try to find a, sort of the modern element element mm-hmm. to things and why it's relevant now. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to admit something totally embarrassing. I just <laughs> remember it's been years and I totally forgot. But yeah. straight down low, the idea to that came for me when I was you know, really open to ideas uh, mm-hmm. because I, it was my thesis film in school. So I, I was kind of really needed to come up with something. Yeah. And I saw a music video. I can't remember what band it was for. Hmm. I think it was for Best Coast, this kind of okay. poppy pop duo yeah. with Drew Barrymore in it. Okay. And – there was some uh something about the setting i can't even remember what the video is honestly but mm-hmm. that it was shot like they were greasers but they were kind of set in present day and something just clicked in my head like holy crap detective movie in the inner city yeah. it was kind of it was kind of close enough that it inspired something that i knew was there cool. um, but thankfully i didn't co- i didn't turn back to the music video after that um as far as the actual writing um mm-hmm. i with, with uh, my writing partner, Jack, we spend a lot of time developing our plot um, extensively before going to script. We, we write outlines that are very thorough, very beat-by-beat, beat, and the script gets written relatively quickly because we've mm-hmm. sort of planned it out um, pretty, pretty in detail by that point. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the development process arises uh, in, in kind of thinking through what is going to be the most exciting plot-based plot based way that these series of events can unfold um Mm -hmm. there's this idea we have that we talk about a lot that has to do with that all our good plot reveals should have two elements and surprise and inevitability Hmm. so it's something that you don't see coming but when it does happen it's like of course that's how it had to be I think that was David Mamet something I I read from him okay Okay. but yeah I I think a good plot twist and turn kind of has those two elements so we, we try to keep that in mind and. Uh, Jack, my writing partner, has a real ear for dialogue, and mm-hmm. and lo- wrote a lot of the lines that are memorable to me in Straight Down Low. Yeah, uh, my brain is more story focused, mm-hmm. and uh, I love developing the plot twists and turns in our stories. Sort of thinking about how we can make the audience viewing experience become a narrative, emotional roller coaster ride, if you will.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I really like that concept you're talking about of um, surprise and inevitability. I mean. Uh, there's so many films where they try to pull off these these kind of twists, and it just feels like you know out of nowhere and kind of awkward. So I I can see that in your films that those things do just kind of seem to flow very smoothly once once there's kind of a reveal of something. So I think you pulled off that really well. Do you do you guys do any like uh, storyboarding? Um, you work with your uh, with your DP on that uh, in any
1: way? Yeah, we I. I like using storyboards. Um, I am a terrible artist and can't draw them. <laughs> um, but when in working with a DP, I think it's very beneficial to really realize w- what the shot is going to be um, in 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 advance. Um, for Straight Down Low, we Mishka Kornai, who is also my dear friend and is also a very talented director in his own right, hmm. he he used his iPad um, to take photos. We did photo storyboards for everything. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, it was kind of us two lanky dudes on in East L.A. <laughs> side by side for a couple weeks just kind of figuring out the blocking and talking through the best way to photograph things. Um, but not, not in the writing phase, but just when we get to that point, it is, sure. I think it's definitely a helpful next step.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is a great way to handle it. So kind of talking about you being uh, kind of a classic film fan and kind of trying to update these older kind of styles and genres into contemporary terms, um, could you throw out some of uh, some films that get you excited about making films or just things that influenced you? Um, they don't have to be classics, uh, you know, like old classics, but yeah, anything.
1: Well, I hope it's all right if they are because most yeah. of them tend to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I loved. I watched a ton of uh, Alfred Hitchcock and mm-hmm. Billy Wilder. Mm-hmm. I think I saw all of their movies as early as when I was in high school and fell in love pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future was a big movie for me. Yeah. Kind of a perfect script and in its plotting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few other classics like Chinatown, hmm. Double Indemnity, um, Lawrence of Arabia were, were were big for me too um <clears throat> nowadays obviously Ryan Johnson um and the Coens who are masters of all things film and genre yeah
0: um
1: and more recently Damien Chazelle especially Whiplash mm-hmm. actually which kind of did something unique with genre in creating suspense with the physical music being played yeah. on screen. yeah
0: yeah yeah, I remember the end of Whiplash really threw me. Where you see that performance and suddenly I realize this is just like they're in like thriller mode at this point, just battling <laughs> back and forth and uh Oh man. it was just yeah, so exciting. Brutal. I didn't realize I would be like that into it and that final sequence um was really cool.
1: It's like a it's like a chase scene but he's just playing the drums. Right, I don't know how he did
0: Right. It. Yeah. Yeah, um, talk
1: talk about mo- movies that I've seen that I wish I made. I think we put <laughs> Whiplash pretty high up there.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? Very cool. So let's talk a little bit more about specifically Straight Down Low. So I think you have a really great rhythm to your films in general, that you have this good combination of style and tone in them, Um, whether it's your camera movements, your editing, speech patterns. uh, How do you approach getting that specific rhythm down to the film so they really flow that well?
1: I think the rhythm, uh, it all starts with the script it's the way we design our stories from the beginning, um, and it, just, it takes a lot to nail it on the page. Mm-hmm. But once that happens, um, to me it, just, it dictates all the other choices that we make in putting the film together with our team. Is, our scripts are very dense and specific, and I mm-hmm. think in a lot of ways our, our projects are directed on the page. Um, and of course I'm very fortunate to work with the multiplicity of very talented collaborators. Um, our, our sound designer Eric Hain, composer John Snyder, all of whom bring their own ideas and talents to make the movie what they are by interpreting the rhythm and plot details yeah. kind of outlined in the script in a way that fits their realized version of the film. So I think yeah. what starts on the page kind of becomes with our references and our choices something that just falls in into itself. And in Straight Down Low, we also we solved a lot of story beats that weren't working in post um, yeah. with voiceover. Hmm. Um, so so that that's kind of an instance of we got very lucky, I think, because voiceover is such a trope in detective movies. Exactly, yeah. But but you know, there are scenes that were very confusing, I think, for some people when we started getting feedback and we got into post and we had no money to reshoot anything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it hit me uh, that, holy crap, we can fix so much of this by just adding a few lines over the beginning of our scenes that will clarify some of these things people are being confused about. Yeah. So fortunately... The, the kind of snappy dialogue, it feels very right and purposeful and I think fits the rhythm. But mm-hmm. everything is to serve the story in our movies. We try to hold on to that principle as, as best we can.
0: Nice. Yeah, I think you're right. The uh, the voiceover really works for that, that genre and style. But I think oftentimes it's pretty hard to pull off um, in certain ways. You know, kind of famously... Uh, Blade Runner had voice over which they eventually pulled out of it because um, it wasn't really working So, but I think you guys definitely pulled it off and it, it added to the film um, to get in kind of that main well, character's you. head too Yeah. well um, thank you very much yeah so speaking of that kind of dialogue and I think there is a lot of you can tell a lot of care that goes into um, the writing of that beforehand but it also has a very specific kind of cadence and style I think both in Election Day and Straight Down Low, because they are kind of fitting into those genre styles of kind of uh, quick banter and things like that. Did you have to choose your your actors carefully and make sure they could kind of handle that dialogue with each other? Or did you have to kind of coach the performance in a very careful way?
1: Uh, great question. Yeah, I think that that the rhythm and cadence in the dialogue was really important to us, um, just as kind of wanting to feel that right, combination of mm-hmm. both the kind of old-fashioned Humphrey Bogart detective thing and the real cadence and rhythm of um, people talking in in the modern age
0: yeah
1: um, we had a couple wonderful casting directors Sherry Henderson and Dan Velez Dan who tragically passed away a couple years ago oh, actually sorry um, no. yeah, brilliant brilliant casting duo and they worked wonders um, in putting the film together hmm. You always have to coach some actors more than others, but sure. I think a lot of the the actors came with the right ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, Shamar Sanders, our lead, who plays the student, yeah. um, I, there was something in his audition that he, we loved the way he made our dialogue sound. M- more mm-hmm. than anything, I mean, his performance all around is something I'm very, very uh, pleased with, yeah. and um, it, it, it it blows me away when I watch it still. He, he really nailed the character, but more than anything, the dialogue sounded just right, and I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was until after we cast him, and I got to know him, yeah. and uh, found out that he is from the South. He grew up in Alabama. He's got a Southern accent, and there was something <sighs> about that that it, it just felt old-fashioned in all the right mm-hmm. ways, kind of the nuance of, of how he articulated himself seemed like a great fit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Danielle Watts, too, who plays Amber... Mm-hmm. was a brilliant performer um she read the lines in a way that came from a place of such charged real emotion yeah um that i think it added to the aut- authenticity and depth that the character really needed i think we actually uh, underwrote her a bit in the script and <laughs> she really saved us there um and matthias ponce uh who mm-hmm. plays carlos mm-hmm. ponce or ponce i i i he'll kill me i always mix it up um <laughs> he 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 was great and i believe he comes from theater um okay. and, and made our dialogue jump off screen too yeah so yeah you know it really all came in casting but uh, there were certain moments that i'd coach and chime in with these guys but it, there's only so much you can do once you cast your actor there's you right. know, the limits of your performer it's like they've got a certain way of communicating and sure actors can transform themselves but Mm-hmm. That that's kind of the biggest choice I think you have to make, uh, uh, in the director's chair when it comes to thinking through performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always uh, so much fun, I think, to see those performances come alive and those characters you wrote. Um, and I think all, all your characters really stood out in this, uh, through those actors. That's great. Um, one of our co-hosts on our podcast, who's, who's not here with us today, but, uh, Jeremy often says of noir films that they're, uh, there's always this one more thing in the story that, that kind of bugs the detective. You know, they kind of, like, solve the main crime, but there's just, like, this kind of lingering, nagging piece of the puzzle that doesn't quite make sense. So I really like how you kind of included that um, that last piece in there where he kind of figures out the the suicide and things like that. So um, I think that shows that you really know your noir chops and that it adds this kind of extra touch of kind of tragedy and... Uh, inevitable kind of sadness to the film. Um, did you have any inspiration for that particular point um, or, uh, or just kind of where that twist came from in the
1: end? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I hope uh, we did all right by Jeremy. I'd be thrilled to hear his <laughs> thoughts when he, when he hears the, the interview here. Yeah. Um, uh, I think f- First of all, we we wanted to um, find a way to modernize this story, to to put the classic noir framework into a context that felt relevant today. Um, So it was pretty early on in development that we came up with the idea to make the little brother, spoiler alert, that it turns Mm -hmm. out that he and um, uh, Jules Theodore playing Tyson, that that they had a relationship together. Mm -hmm. Um, It just felt right dealing with this kind of homosexual reality that it, as far as updating the detective film is concerned, it often deals with romance and, you know, the femme fatale. So
0: yeah. it felt
1: like the, the right fitting way to, to update it. And also ironic kind of in, in mm-hmm. a painful way with the macho rough around the edges gang member, that right kind yeah. of reversal. And we actually, I met with um, a, a former um, gang member who is now a consultant okay. for um, the LAPD. Mm -hmm. And he talked about this stuff. This is real stuff that goes down in the street. Mm -hmm. And um, it was important to us that we were dealing uh, authentically with relationships and and with the setting and the population in that way. Um, So I I don't know. That choice felt right. And I I don't know if I ever told him this, but my younger brother had come out um, Mm -hmm. very recently before we started working on the script. Okay. a part of that choice uh, came for him. It was just on my mind mm. and it it felt right and it felt like a part of the story that needed to be told. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then the suicide, I mean, who doesn't like a double twist? Uh, <laughs> the more twists, the better for him. Right, my mind.
0: right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Could you speak briefly about just kind of translating it to that setting? And you did say you kind of spoke to a consultant and things, but did you feel kind of uh, some responsibility or just kind of making sure that you're being thoughtful about that setting and how you, how you portray that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I felt a very personal responsibility from the beginning um, in dealing with these characters and this setting. Um, I, we were very interested in dealing with kind of modern rela- race relations um, mm-hmm. and dealing with street gangs and yeah. it's just totally different than our own experiences, and mm-hmm. I turned um, to one of my heroes, David Simon, the the showrunner of The Wire, mm-hmm. um, and realized I was gonna have to do a lot of research to to be able to understand the complexities of what goes on with street gangs um, and and for that matter, um, what goes on with young characters that are just starting to get involved um, with street activity mm-hmm. so I, I we did a few different things, you know, in addition to just reading up in every way we could. We we hired and met with a consultant who was a former gang member himself. Mm-hmm. Um and I did I met with the Santa Ana Police Department. I I was in, living in Orange County at the time. Okay. Um and did a ride along eventually too with their gang unit. Oh, cool. It's actually a crazy story, but um I we got involved in a high-speed pursuit the the, the day of my ride along. Wow. A shootout and um yeah, yeah. To say, to say <laughs> that intense, that yeah. was the the you know I I definitely learned a thing or two in in, in that in that afternoon, um, but you know in a general way I think it's really it's really essential to know your characters and know your story and obviously what we're doing in this story is turning it into a detective movie and it's supposed to be um, you know classically entertaining. Yeah. It's not supposed to feel so gritty and verite like a like a non-fiction movie or like an indie movie might
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we we did our best to kind of serve the truth um behind all of our big plot points so you know it feels not like real life necessarily it's a detective mm-hmm. movie. it's supposed yeah. to be that way but yeah. um it was very important to us in in, in properly a- addressing you know people of, of different races than our own right. and people with different backgrounds and experiences and um thank you know i I hope that we did all right I hope we did all right by the people who who watch it that that's that's the best I can say and i i i, I was nervous going into it but i sure. uh I also didn't want to just make another movie with just white people because that gets yeah that's that's been done to say yeah. Least.
0: yeah yeah we're kind of uh with that little production group we're kind of in the same place of wanting to kind of raise up you know um giving women more more leading roles and juicy roles and uh and people of um different ethnicities that normally wouldn't get get those kind of roles so we're still working on it but um that's that's kind of a goal we're making for ourselves going forward so yeah
1: it's yeah. A, it's an uphill it's an uphill battle but but an, an important uh, fight worth fighting for
0: to yeah. say the least yeah um So as we're kind of winding down here, uh, in our discussion, we kind of talk about on our show, just like things we watch lately. Um, and I'm always just kind of uh, curious from, um, filmmakers and stuff like that, just kind of what they're, what they're into in the moment and good things you've seen lately.
1: Um, I'm going to use this entire question to promote Jordan Peele's new movie, get out. Okay. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it involves race and it's a horror film it's hysterical and it's terrifying, <laughs> and it just uses genre the genre beautifully. So, mm. so you, you all have to go see it for sure. Um, nice. um I, I'll throw a couple more in the mix. Sure. Sure. Um, I loved La La Land. I saw a lot of the awards movies this year.
0: Yeah. It's a nice yeah.
1: musical. Back yeah. Underway. Moonlight yeah. too blew my mind. So I, I I was pleased with the best picture win for for that one right um,
0: either one of them yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then uh total total curveball here but mm-hmm. i really recently got into rick and morty which oh, is yeah. hysterical uh-huh. um kind of nice taking a break from bigger blockbuster genre stuff to uh to, to get into that and uh laugh a little yeah uh,
0: i love the the sort of balance in that of like sometimes it's like this show just blew my mind totally like cracked open these crazy ideas and then totally immature potty joke the next moment. <laughs> like it's like right? both sides of these things. But I think some of the concepts in that show are like the deepest things I've <laughs> I've heard. It's, yeah. It's
1: kind of the way uh, life should be. It's, right. it's potty joke side by side with psychological universal phenomenon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Life's just a mixed bag like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and documentaries too. I've been watching a mm. ton of documentaries I've been getting very into Noam Chomsky, some okay. wonderful long-form documentaries uh, based on his works, hmm. and um, a, a couple other ones, Hypernormalcy, a BBC documentary that came out at the end of last year, okay. and uh, Why We Fight, another BBC documentary. I think it was BBC, um, made in the early 2000s, kind of about the war industry. But documentaries more and more becoming a, a, a source of learning about the world to me and it's great material. It's, it's the best way to steal material for a narrative movie is to watch a great documentary and True. realize something's important that you didn't know about beforehand.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. And I like that. Um, I think documentaries are becoming more and more available to us, that these streaming, streaming channels are kind of giving them priority as well, that we can quickly kind of get them highlighted.
1: Right, yeah, totally.
0: Did you? You said you mentioned you were kind of into sci-fi. Is that something a direction you want to go in in the near future? In any projects as well? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, my Jack, my writing partner, he often makes fun of me because I think at least half the ideas that I pitch him for our yeah. next project are naming some movie so and so, but with aliens. And, <laughs> So I, nice. think, I think I think I don't have that brilliant next idea yet, but I I know that eventually I'd like to make a movie with aliens with or aliens. in the sci-fi genre, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also it feels like a rite of passage to try to do a time travel movie at some mm-hmm. point, just because yeah. Back to the Future was so big for me, and because Ryan Johnson did it with Looper. Mm-hmm. It feels like a challenge or or um, something I I've got to do, and I also don't have a great time travel <laughs> movie idea yet. But I'll get back to you. I'm not one, sure it
0: worked but my thesis film was basically time travel but I I was thinking what if we never mention time travel or like any normal way like we never just bring it up or talk about it but it's included in the story so I'm not quite sure it worked but um that's what we talk, worked for <laughs> talk
1: about a, a movie idea that uh, I wish I had to make
0: <laughs> um So uh, to kind of wrap up here, is there anything else? You've talked about some of these new projects, but um, where can people find some of your stuff or where can they find out more about you?
1: Uh, Sure. Well, uh, one other project uh, that we finished at the end of last year, um, I did a digital series for a company called Soul Pancake, called Love and Longitude that uh, explores this kind of iPhone syntax storytelling Hmm. um, and involves some never-before-seen technology. That's premiering in just a couple weeks at South by Southwest. So you can can see that there, and um, uh, eventually it'll be wide-released online. So we'll have more information on that soon. And um, other than that, you can see um, my work. I have a website, zachwechter.com, some beautiful self-promotion, if you'd like to check out that. that. Um, And and on Vimeo, I have a lot of my digital work too. Um, But uh, yeah, at, at any point, my email's on there. If you, anybody who'd like to to see more and stuff that isn't released yet shoot me an email and be glad to send it your way
0: great great and we'll link to um some of that your website and some of your projects in the show notes as well for you great well thanks for being on the show zach uh, really appreciate you taking out the time to talk to us
1: thanks for having me eli pleasure yeah,
0: yeah thanks